thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Work Hard to Tire Early podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Hadaway, and today we are sitting down with Moena Regos. Moena is the founder of the Unhustle Movement. After working herself to the bone for several years, she decided there was more to life than just work and founded her firm, Unhustle. So how are you today, Moena? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Joseph. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. So uh, I gave you a bit of a brief bio there. Anything else you can tell us about yourself and your background? Certainly. I'm uh, originally from Bulgaria, actually. First generation immigrant to the United States. Came all along with two bags of clothes and, and big dreams and big ambitions. Um, completed an MBA in San Diego and uh, went down the path of um, marketing career. Got involved with digital marketing back in 96. I had to explain to people how to spell Google with parties, so that dates me. <laughs> and um, one thing led to another. Actually, I ended up being a, a marketing director to, for a ski resort for about 10 years. It was pretty nice to get paid to ski. Then social media took off, and I uh, really wanted to start my own company. I have this entrepreneurial spirit in me. My first business was actually at 17, renting windsurfs at the Black Sea. So I started a digital marketing agency and was lucky enough to have built a pretty good network of people around me. And um, it wasn't hard for me to get clients. I ended up working with certain celebrities, build a team, build an eight-figure marketing agency, and I ended up in the process working far too many hours. You know, I was managing a team. I loved what I did. Um, and so it didn't feel like the complete hustle and grind. But at the same time, my attention started to feel scattered between social media channels and different continents. Um, I never had time for any of my friends. My health started to suffer. I didn't pay any attention to my marriage anymore. And so one thing led to another. We ended up uh, deciding that it's been three years since I've taken a vacation. So we planned a 10-day trip down to Baja California, Sur, which turned out to be a digital detox by default, not by design. There was just no internet in the area we were in. So we ended up um, wanting to learn how to kiteboard. And it was actually there in the midst of the Sea of Cortez um, that I fearing for my life, realized that I have to focus on what I'm doing and I can't think about work. And it was a really kind of mindful moment in flow that I realized, like you said, there's more to life than working and I think I'm doing it wrong and I need to figure out how to do it right. Uh, both my parents had passed away fairly early for different health reasons. So it was really in my face that, you know, we don't live forever. So... There is more to life than working. I have nothing against work. I think work's noble, work's great. Uh, but at the same time, this whole notion that we need to hustle all the time, uh, we're just trapped as a society, uh, and many of us are trapped into this hustle cycle, and, and the hustle way is, is really isn't working. As we know, the stats and research shows how being hyperproductive is counterproductive. So instead of work... Uh, enriching our lives, work ends up depleting our lives, and I'm going against that notion. Definitely, a lot happened there in a short amount of time that you know changed your mindset, and that brings me into you know kind of the first question. You know, and you mostly answered this, but well, you know, what is unhustle? What what is the movement? 
Yeah, so basically on Hustle, is, uh, the mission is to replace hustle culture with human culture for teams and organizations and companies. For individuals, is to create sustainable success, uh, which I define as sustainable live-work-play design without sacrifices. We do it. We have a community. We have a eight-week cohort program. Um, I speak around the world um, on, on Hustle. You know, we do certain workshops on main, Basically, what started with retreats, because I started with retreats between Lake Tahoe and Baja, transitioned very quickly into the online space, not because of the pandemic, but because I realized that, A, um, it's not just Americans uh, who are struggling with this. It's actually in a lot of countries around the world. So people, as people started to reach to me from all over the, the, the world, I realized retreats is not going to be sustainable to build a movement. And so I uh, pivoted really quickly online. And so I'm using my marketing skills, obviously, and my creativity to to share this message through podcasts and writing and uh, just being visible online. But um, the programming is currently all online. I'm probably going to introduce some real life programs um, as we're getting um, back into more of a normalcy with the pandemic. Sounds like, you know, got a lot of it figured out or what you don't, you're definitely getting there. I have nothing figured out. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, as I'm listening to what people want um, and what their needs are, and I've been doing a lot of that in the past three years, is coming slowly but surely a little bit more clear as to what to do. But no, I don't think I have it any figured out. Um, that I think as as a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you kind of have to start showing up and testing and experimenting like a mad scientist to figure it out. Beat me to that point there. I've heard that from a lot of entrepreneurs on this show. I don't have it figured out. I'm just one day at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all we can do. <laughs> So uh, moving on, you know, in preparation for this interview, I read several posts on your blog. And one of the ones that stuck out to me was uh, the fear of failure is freaking real. So many of our listeners are also hoping to one day take a step back from work, whether it be an early retirement or even kind of like a, a coast fire almost. So could you walk us through a little bit of how you overcame that fear when you stepped back from work? Uh, well... For one, I, like I said, the fear um, is still here on a you know on a day-to-day -day basis. So all you can do is is build up your courage to do the difficult things. And as you said, you're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, and um, I don't think that fear ever goes away. I think we get a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that has been. Um, the, the reason I shared that story with, you know, with, with kiteboarding, uh, that fear of dying was, was very real. And still till today, I get on my knees before I hook up to the kite and go out and play in the, in the water and say a little prayer. The fear is still there. I just got more used to dealing with it. And I do know that on the other side of that fear is, is joy and flow and, and fun. So, um, some of the things uh, that I wrote on these blog posts is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, we tend to fall for a lot of hacks, right? How to get to a seven-figure business in seven quick steps or um, how to create your best day ever in 10 minutes, whatever the hack is, right? And <clears throat> what I realized, excuse me, really quickly is that, <clears throat> excuse me, there are no hacks, right? 
you don't need hack. The other thing I realized is that our focus and attention is, is our biggest currency. The way I realized that is by doing um, mindfulness-based stress reduction training, which was part of my human potential training um, program, which I did. And it was like somebody flipped uh, the brain, uh, flipped the switch in my brain because I realized how scattered my attention and my focus had become. Now, in order for me to step away from working all the time, I had to figure out a better way of working. And one of these better way of working is by uh, trying to get into a flow state. To do so, you, um, you really have to minimize distractions. So all the distractions, the meetings, and the busyness that uh, come on a day-to-day basis, we tend to fall for that. From a neuroscience perspective, which I, I started researching and, and studying, we fall for the things like the emails and the meetings and the, and the busy work because we want the short-term dopamine. Where you and I were talking before we hit record, you, you're working on a book, I'm working on a book. That's like a long-term dopamine. So... Um, making sure that you work on what's important and not what's just distracting work and busy work is key. Also taking care of yourself. Uh, there's so much data and science that points to the fact that if you take good care of yourself, you can be more productive, more creative, more focused. So today I still have a lot to do, but I made a point to take an hour away and go cross-country skiing with my dog so I can get some exercise, run my dog outside, come back refreshed and recharged and have the energy to speak with you and be fully present and fully focused. So there's a lot of just minor, small small tweaks we can do on a day-to-day basis. Um, The biggest change for me was realizing that I don't want to fit my life into my work. I want to fit my meaningful work into my life. And how do I go about doing that? You know, is, is how do I redefine my success? What are my values? It's going to be different for everybody. And how do I step away from these uh, f- feelings of constant FOMO, right? Fear of missing out and replacing it with Jono, or, um, which is the joy of now, or, or, or um, Jomo, which is the joy of missing out by, you know, being comfortable with what makes me happy and not necessarily falling for the trap of what everybody else says is the uh, right way to create success, right? Just asking yourself, what is really success for me? And these are kind of some of the things that I um, realized helped me on the journey and hopefully will help other people. I like how it all revolves back around that work smarter, not harder kind of kind of thing. You know, it's not even that. I think it's um, what where are your where is your difference and where your your gifts and, and talents and superpowers, so that you show up authentically, so that it actually feels effortless, as opposed to you know with work smart. You know that that's great. It's it's a great um, concept, but you still have to. Um, figure out how are you going to create something instead of competing in a sea of sameness, right? My my friend Christopher Lockhead um, talks about how do you create a category instead of creating a brand so that you're not competing in a sea of sameness. And a lot of entrepreneurs and companies are, you know, pushing forward this concept of like, uh, you know, building a brand instead of building a category. And I think... 
um, maybe it's, it's 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 a different way of saying work smart, but um, but to me it's like what comes effortless to you so that you can show up and, and be fully yourself. And um, we 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 just we seem to be too afraid of uh, showing up authentically. And I hear you on that. I love that you know difference between a brand and a category. That's I'm gonna have to look into that personally. And then uh, looking at your blog and another post that I wanted to highlight is the uh, hustle culture is dead. Welcome to human culture as across America. And I'm sure across the world, but I don't have statistics to back that up. Um, a lot of people are now fully remote, went temporarily remote, maybe back to the office, possibly you're still in limbo and don't know what's going on. Uh, in your opinion, do you think the pandemic is going to lead to a major culture change at large corporations post pandemic, or is this just kind of a break and, they're itching to get back to work as normal. No, I do believe that work culture is, is having a watershed moment here for sure. There's um, a lot of companies talking about how do we move forward, anything. You can look at the four-day workweek movement. Um, I interviewed Andrew Barnes, uh, who is the, the leader behind that movement on my podcast, right in the midst of a pandemic. A lot of companies, even whole countries, are moving to a, a four-day workweek, seeing you know increasing productivity, increasing well-being, increasing in, in this whole notion of work-life balance. Uh, in the U.S., about 77% of people are currently experiencing burnout. It's just as bad globally. In Japan, they have a word for overwork, which is uh, karoshi, death by overwork. In America, we work longer hours than in Japan. Um, Americans work longer than a lot of countries in Europe, yet we're less productive than a lot of countries in Europe. So we're doing it wrong. We're aware that we're doing it wrong. And burnout um, is... Um, most of the time is actually not about personal burnout, but it's about the organization you work for. And so now we're seeing with the great resignation, about half of the workforce in America is looking for a job. And the number one, LinkedIn just came up with a survey that says the number one reason for people to change jobs, like 63%, um, is people seeking more well-being and more work-life balance. So all these studies show that Companies that take care of their employees, A, will win this war for talent. They'll be able to find high top talent. They'll be able to retain their talent. The future of work, um, in my opinion, um, has completely changed. We've seen that people can be trusted working from home. Productivity numbers went up when people worked from home. And the number one thing that um, millennials and Gen Z want at the moment is more flexibility. They're actually, a lot of them, like 90% of them are saying, I'm not coming back to the office um, if I'm not allowed to have some kind of a hybrid workplace, right? So at the same time, leaders are not... Um, equipped with how to deal with um, young work workers and how to deal with burnout. So there's a, a major disconnect, which offers a lot of opportunity for to learn and to explore how do we move forward sustainably. But um, the younger people, the, the Gen Zers and the millennials are changing, not just uh, how work gets done, but also where and why work gets done. And what's interesting is that the Gen Z and the millennials are, are so to speak, um, digital natives, right? They were, they were, they actually their life comes online first before physical life. Where 
most leaders are still digital analogs, right? So, so there's a major disconnect there culturally, but also how we deal with technology. It also offers a lot of opportunities. So I see a, a lot of excitement times for companies. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. But hopefully together we can move forward. There's, um, there's no reason. You know, I start working remotely back in 2014, 2015, when very few people were doing it. And I realized that it's completely sustainable. Um, now we all had to do it. So so we've, we're living in a completely um, new and to me exciting times. The technology is there to use it. There's no reason why we're doing half of what we're doing currently. So we need to figure out how we can focus on what matters and get, get away from the things that are just um, complicating our lives and, and adding stress to our lives. And, you know, you talked a lot there about the new culture of work and how corporations and businesses are handling it. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, what advice would you give to, like, CEOs, managers to attract new talent or promote better work-life balances in their own teams and companies? Yeah, I mean, I really think it comes down to um, a few critical things, you know, from from this human, human-centric leadership and human-centric culture um, is, is really showing up being human um, and realizing that, um, you know, uh, people are going to show up with their full self. So offering a safe and, um, and a safe environment where they can show up being themselves, um, making sure to um, add uh, elements of flexibility and actually more so than flexibility, autonomy. And also allowing for, for more well-being um, at work. You know, how do we create more well-being flow during our day as opposed to looking at, you know, offering employees, you know, meditation apps and yoga sessions and free Zoom calls? Um, I think the, the question is, how do we do it from a perspective of understanding what our brain is doing, right? Neuroscience has done a lot in the past um, couple of decades really to show what are some better ways of working online. So, for example, um, Microsoft had a, st- a study that shows after 30 minutes on Zoom, you br- you, you're not as engaged, right? So, instead of having a 60 minute Zoom meeting, maybe it needs to be cut down to 30 minutes, or maybe it doesn't even have to be a meeting, right? So, the way meetings are done currently is not the most efficient way. And obviously, the other thing is emails, right? We, we, we spend our days in emails. So maybe reply all doesn't have to exist. Um, maybe there is a more of an asynchronous communication channel, whether that's, you know, Slack or, or um, Asana or Trello or something that, um, that you can communicate with your team that's not just bouncing of emails back and forth. So the, the opportunity is there. The, the four-day work week is also an option. People can experiment, you know, with a four-day work week and see if, if maybe that's a better way of, of going about it. A lot of companies are experiencing higher productivity with going to four days, you know. And when I say four days, I mean four days of eight hours as opposed to four days of um, 10 hours. Now, I work for myself. I don't have a team. So for me, what works is, is just having a shorter work, work day, right? Instead of, um, instead of four days, I actually work fewer hours every day. Uh, but I, I, I do it five sometimes. I even can do it six. It just depends on, on, on my uh, project. So it, it, it's finding out what works. And when we're talking companies, um, the future of work means can we how can we do it together um, and how can we move forward from a place of what's what's the common purpose 
people people want to work do to work for companies that have purpose and meaning. They people more people prefer meaning in their work than money. Um, and so, and at the same time, money still matters, right? So paying people what what they're worth, um, as opposed to um, expecting everything and, and not giving anything back in return. So there's a lot of things that companies could do right now. Definitely. And I personally have seen, you know, several experimenting with that, seeing some interesting job ads come up with uh, the benefits they're offering. And, you know, moving on from what corporations can do to better suit their employees, you know, back to what more an individual can do. Just to start with, I mean, so what can like say I or anyone else start doing today to preserve their own health and well-being at work, even if they have a corporation that's not offering the best benefits or balance? I think um, doing things for your mental health is key. You know, we've we've listened for so many years um, things that we need to do for physical health, right? I mean, it's it's a billion dollar industry. We have gyms. Uh, we 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 know we need to work out, but we do very little for our mental health. That was at least what um, was my biggest transformation was getting a little bit more into my meditation, mindfulness, and even if you don't want to do that, um, taking making time for for self awareness, just getting in touch with yourself. Um, because of technology, we, you know, because of these smartphones that we constantly live with, or at least we're a foot away from, we make very little time to actually kind of tune into our inner world and um, take a little bit of time to to listen in to what to what we need, you know. And our bodies are pretty amazing. They they tell us what we need. Whether you need more sleep, you know, you need to drink a glass of water, take more breaks, move more. Um, sadly, you know, forty percent of Americans are obese and. Um, we're sleep deprived. Um, we, you know, we, we sleep is the first thing to, to go away. And I think that the research showed that um, if you're sleep deprived by, you know, a couple of hours, it's like showing up to work with, you know, drunk by, by, by one drink. So we just, um, we just need to slow down, really. We need to slow down to speed up. Um, the other thing is, is our leisure time is broken which I found fascinating. The research by uh, Mihai, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi on flow, uh, he's the godfather of flow, showed that even though people say that rather not be working, um, they're, while they're at work, about 64% of the time, they end up being in flow, which means they're creative, they feel good, they're motivated, they, they, you know, they're checking off uh, important things on their to-do list, so they feel good about it. Where when we... Um, actually switch off to our leisure time, we're only about 20% of our time in flow, which also means our leisure time is broken. So to increase the flow in our leisure time, and that's what happened to me, right? Going back to kiteboarding, all of a sudden I realized there's something so challenging and rewarding at the same time because it's, it's, it requires skills and requires um, new things. And, it, it you know, there's a, a little fear component. That's why you see really successful people having these crazy hobbies, you know, like like climbing mountains and sailing across oceans, flow generates more flow. So, um, so bottom line is there's a paradox between work and leisure that I'm saying we, we need to fix how we relax, right? Because just um, sitting on the couch watching Netflix 
could be great. It turns off your brain, and that's why we enjoy it so much. But at the same time, if you do something that's that's challenging and engages you, maybe it's something like a childhood hobby that you used to do that will take your mind uh, off from uh, thinking about work. Will be um, will feel better. Will be more energized, and and uh, we'll have more recreation in our life. So, so there's a few things we can fix there. And definitely some great advice there. I definitely know several people who just like turning the brain off on Netflix, but more can be done. Yeah. And, and, you know, the biggest thing is um, when we talk about work-life balance, I just, I'm going against all of these phrases like work-life balance, work-life integration, work-life harmony. None of this work, in my opinion, for the primary reason that we start with work. And that's why I'm trying to change our language and say it's about creating sustainable live-work-play design with living being the primary factor. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we gravitate more towards work. If we leave aside the financial reason, right, um, maybe we're escaping a um, toxic relationship. Maybe we just don't like our life. Maybe we don't... um, um, maybe we're scared of asking some difficult questions or having a difficult conversation. Maybe we're just addicted, right? Um, you know, that could, could actually be an addiction. So, so there's a lot to unpack there. And again, spent taking a little bit more time to um, reflect um, and um, explore what's going on on the inside, creating a life first to your point with fire. How do I create a life that fulfills me and um, is meaningful and then what kind of work do I need to create in order to sustain that lifestyle? So in my opinion, it's not about I'm going to find a job and figure out where I'm going to live. It's, it's actually the opposite, right? Where do I want to live? Um, who do I want to surround myself with? What are the experiences that I want to have in my life? And then what is the work that I want to do and can do to sustain myself? And again, definitely all great advice there. And, you know, following up on that, you know, do you, have you found or do you find that most people that stepping away from work or, you know, unhustling, quote unquote, is a step or more of a process? Um, like, is that something you can achieve overnight or is it more of a learned skill? Well, I don't believe you can achieve anything overnight, you know, <laughs> um, definitely a skill, a process, a journey. Um, I think it starts with awareness and um, and it's a practice, you know. It's really tough when, when society glorifies busy and when all everybody around you is on the same treadmill, it's really tough to go against it. Um, but I do believe um, the science and the data is strong enough to say you can be more productive, more creative and more successful if you don't work all the time. So, so that gives us enough to say, okay, we need to shift our perspective collectively. Um, there was a research by McKinsey that showed that when collectively we stop responding to emails within the first 10 minutes, uh, things settle down a little bit and collectively that was more achieved, right? So, so there's a collective mindset shift there that I'm trying to to um, inspire people to do, but individually too, you, you, we can do that. But to your point, it's definitely it's definitely a practice, which is why I set up the community. I realized that 
uh, giving people a, a course or a program. Um, again, I'm, I'm on the same path too. I'm absolutely not perfect. I haven't mastered anything. Um, I think I'm just a little bit more, more aware um, and uh, able to pull myself away from from working all the time. You know, and hustle is about creating high flow living and working. It's not about only not working. It, it, it's, it's about creating a meaningful life and, um, and a fulfilling career without sacrificing one for the other. And definitely the big takeaway I feel I get from that is it's not about not working. It's about reaching the flow state. Right. And, uh, you know, last question I have is, you know, what would you say to someone that hasn't quite had their wake up call yet? Someone's still working the 12 or more hour days, six, seven days a week, and is still living the American dream. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, um, imagine that you go to the doctor and you have a month to live. So do you have any regrets? Another way of doing that is by saying, okay, I'm going to write my own eology and, and see what comes out. It's a tough exercise. I had to do it. To be honest with you, it just happened to me. The whole notion of imagine you have a month to live. Um, and I was reflecting back, do I have any regrets? And you and I were talking about the book, right? And I was thinking, okay, my only regret is actually not on the on my life side, but it's actually <laughs> I want to get my book published. So, you know, it gave me a motivation to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and, and do it. So these are difficult questions again, right, um, that we just don't make the time to ask ourselves. But hopefully I see it over and over and over again, people having these wake-up calls. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's deadly. Um, the World Health Organization came up with a study that um, basically, I'll, I'll put it into, into perspective here, 745,000 people died of overwork in a year, which is about double the amount of people who died of COVID in 2020. So... It's real. It's happening. Um, heart disease, strokes, uh, th these are real. And we need to um, shift our relationship with work. And definitely could not agree more on that. And uh, just a few closing questions. Where can we find you online? Yeah, everything is... Um Accessible from my website. It's real simple, unhustle.com. Um, if you want to get on my advanced reader team for my book, uh, I would love to have you on there. You, you'll find a link to it from there. I'm relaunching my Series 2 podcast, so that's available there as well. And all social media is at unhustle. So if you listen to this interview and something resonated with you, tag me on uh, social media. I'd love to hear it. And I'll make sure to put those links down in the show notes below. And uh, final question for the interview. What's next? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking that. One more thing I was going to add. Um, I have a, an ebook, uh, about a 23-page ebook that I've put together um, that I wanted to share some examples with, um, with people. So you can download that for free if you go to unhustle.com forward slash ebook. They'll give you, um, because going back to your question of fear, right? We just want to see how other people have done it. So I've shared some stories in the ebook. My... What's next for me is uh, I'm actually moving to uh, to Baja 
full time at the end of February, um, stepping into my values 100% and living in alignment with what I'm preaching with and hustle. And I will continue to lead the hustle movement from down there while creating sustainable live, work, play design for myself and working on my book. So um, I'm currently leading a program um, online uh, with a beta test. I'll, I'll make that available soon for people to start playing around with it. I'm having a lot of fun with that right now and um, excited for, for my book and relaunching my podcast. Quite a lot going, but uh, pre-congratulations on the move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. We're excited. And thank you very much for coming on the show today. We loved having you. Thank you so much for having me, Joseph. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Work Hard Retire Early podcast. And thanks again to Moyna for coming on. Check out our new website at workhardretireearly.com where we post the weekly podcast episodes, weekly articles on side hustles, personal finance, and investing. And we also have a weekly market roundup where we discuss the recent market news, events, and results. Again, all of this is available at workhardretireearly.com. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next week.